0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Pedagogy Geeks. I'm Arielle Weiss.
1: And I'm Ryan Tusing. I'm a pianist and piano teacher living here in Virginia.
0: And I'm a dancer and Alexander Technique teacher here in Philadelphia.
1: We invite you to join us in exploring the hows and whys behind what we teach musicians so that we can help promote the integration of wellness and musicianship.
0: We welcome your questions and we hope to inspire your curiosity.
1: And to support and encourage re-examining, rediscovering and bringing embodiment and creativity into our teaching.
0: We're especially pleased to welcome Angela Bilger to our guest, for today's Pedagogy Geeks topic, how do injuries harm the music and the musician? Angela is a French horn player and brings a wealth of expertise to this topic. I'm so pleased you could join us today. Uh, Angela recently moved to the North shore of Chicago from Philadelphia, where she played frequently with the Philadelphia Orchestra as well as being second horn with Opera Philadelphia. She currently is teaching privately, coaching chamber music at Northwestern University, and will also soon be joining the Chicago-based Sapphire Woodwind Quintet as their newest member. She is the founder of Musicians Well, which is a website that showcases musicians who have experienced injury or other conditions and tells the story about their recoveries. Welcome, Angela.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be with both of you.
1: Let's begin by talking about how prevalent injuries are among musicians. As in surveying a number of studies in preparation for our recording today, I found that on average, most of the studies that I looked at showed approximately 75 to 80% of musicians surveyed experienced pain or injury of some sort in the context of being students or professionally, and while you know just is in exploring the variety of these you know some of the studies were done in germany some from australia some from the united states so it didn't appear to be just a localized small area it seemed to be you know fairly widely ranging and so i would just be curious to hear your thoughts both of you in terms of what do you think those statistics represent what can we learn from those and what should they get us thinking about
2: well i would say that um not being a scientist and not taking a scientific approach to um, studying this, but just purely from experience and anecdotally, it does seem like most musicians at some point in their lives deal with something, um, have challenges of some kind to overcome. Now it's not necessarily always, um, a playing related injury, um although that there is still certainly um of uh that that happens quite often um but sometimes it's just life that happens you um go hiking and fall on your face on a rock like i did one time (laughs) um you You take a step off a curb and you hurt your wrist or um, you have cancer and the treatments from it um, show up in different ways. You know, like they um, affect your nerves or um, Mm -hmm. like the nerves in your face or the nerves in your hands or you have a concussion. So there it's I think it's a meeting of it's a combination of both. Mm. playing related injuries and then life happens and sometimes there's an overlap between the two um and uh one exacerbates the other so i i think that most most musicians in their lives will have um something to deal with
0: yeah angela i am so glad you brought that up right from the get-go of our conversation that it's not just uh playing related injuries that can happen and and Unfortunately, my experience, not as a musician, but as an Alexander teacher working with musicians is that the culture is such uh, of shame that people hide their injuries. And so it's shocking to me how prevalent injuries are amongst musicians. And I think this cultural aspect that you're not supposed to say you're injured, you're supposed to hide it, uh, exacerbates the problem. And so that people don't seek help Uh, they don't prioritize their own well-being. And so I've seen that in really extreme cases in my practice. So I think we should all be shocked at how prevalent injuries are. And I don't think most people would think that about musicians, because again, uh, I'm kind of skipping to the next question, but I think we have to look at not just the prevalence, but but what's the culture behind uh, helping build (laughs) the prevalence of injuries instead of Addressing the injuries and helping people get help. So, uh, in my mind, those are very interrelated topics. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Anecdotally, when I teach master classes, um, I often tell the story about Mr. Alexander as a young man. He was an orator, he was an actor. And the reason why we have Alexander technique is because he started to lose his voice on stage. So when I go teach a masterclass especially to singers or actors, people who use their voice professionally, I always ask how many of you have ever lost your voice on stage. And again, I'm not a scientist, but anecdotally, I always get at least half the hands in a room that go up. And then I say to people, you should be shocked by that. <laughs> like, why do we think that's, you know, normal? Like what's going on here? So I'm so glad we're addressing this topic today. It's important, right? To bring it out into the light so we can address it. Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of injuries, Angela, you already talked about this, the fact that it's not just from playing, right? You went for a hike one day and face planted. So (laughs) what other kinds of injuries have you personally experienced or dealt with with students in your studio?
2: yeah well so um yeah there 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 are those kinds of injuries where i fell on the rock um and this was like 2001 and um and i had to play shostakovich cello concerto which has a very prominent horn part like the next week and you know i did it and it was so there are those kinds of injuries where you know you get bashed in the face or something happens and and you end up being fine um one time a violin case fell from an overhead compartment onto my, (laughs) right onto my chops, right before a concert. It's it's like a magnet. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But then there are also, um, once, once my son was born, especially, and, um, and he was in that sort of preschool toddler phase, and it's very physical, you know, so it was a combination of sort of handling him and handling travel and then also stress and then sitting and playing for hours and like playing on a new horn, you know? And so like, there, there are combinations that, um, in life that happen, um, (laughs) that, um, lead to like, I had neck stuff when I had back stuff and I had shoulder stuff and, you know, and that's all, those are all things that I just moved through, you know, and most people do. Um, The one that got me was in 2017, also part life and part playing. I -hmm. got a canker sore and it was just the, and I've, I'm prone to canker sores. I've had many of them. I I, I get them all the time and I've played through them all the time. Um, No problems, you know, I mean, it's not easy, it's not fun, but you get Mm -hmm. through it and um but this one was different and just the particular circumstances of what i was playing what i was working on when mm. um and i just tried to play through it and play through it and um there it, i tried to back out of what i was playing with but there was nobody um uh, mm. free like the the personnel manager was like literally there's no one free on in the whole Eastern seaboard, like, you
0: know, <laughs> so, no pressure.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so I moved down in the section. Anyway. Um, so it was just a whole, uh, situation, like all many factors that came into play in that one. And I ended up having, um, it's actually not, I'm not even sure to this day, exactly what it was at first it was diagnosed as a muscle separation or like a, like the start, not a tear, but a muscle sprain or a strain doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like a big deal. Right. And, um, but, but then later, about a year later, um, another doctor diagnosed it as nerve damage. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I'm still not completely clear on what it was. And maybe it was a little bit of both. Um, So, um, yeah, so that, that situation caused that injury for me and that took me out, you know, that the the music stopped (laughs) for a while and, um, I tried to not let it stop. I tried to, um, like rehab it probably too soon and, um there was the, it was at the end of my second one year position as fourth horn with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And there was the permanent audition that I very much wanted to take. And so it was, you know, gunning for that for the fall. And um, and that that did not go so well. I mean, I sort of got through that. And then like three three weeks later, I realized that I really needed to stop, like I needed mm-hmm. to stop playing the horn. And so I put it down for three months. Mm. And Sometimes I wonder if that was a little too long, but that's what I chose to do. And so, and then finally by, you know, January, February of 2018, I was trying to say, um, to, to start playing again and, um, uh, get, get things going. And, um, and that was a long journey. And, um, so that's sort of my story. Um, and then colleagues, I mean, um, one of the things that I did during this time, um, I, w- I was so floored by the generosity of people who had been through injury and who were willing to talk with me and how helpful it was. And it wasn't always necessarily the specifics of um, what they did, although sometimes it was, but it was more just like the human spirit is sort of amazing. And, (laughs) um, And so I felt like it was really important to let people know that that this happens and, Mm -hmm. and how people get through it. And sometimes it's not like, and now I feel totally normal again, kind of getting through it often. It's like, I don't feel like myself, but I can do this. Mm. Um, or, um, or I learned that, um, I'm good at this and decided to do that instead or you know like so there are different ways people move through it and so my definition of recovery has become quite broad um because of that um so yeah i guess that's just a long-winded way of saying that um that's how musicians well was born is that i decided that i really wanted to or willing to talk to me and not everybody wants to talk. And that's also okay, because this is like (laughs) a very, um, it's, it's it's not only physical, it's really, um, Mm. it's a, it's, it's it's in your mind too. And sometimes it gets stuck there and sometimes it's not helpful to think about it or talk about it. Sometimes Mm. it is, sometimes it's not. So, um, I'm totally fine with people (laughs) who say, no, thank you. (laughs) But, um, but i think just in the response that i've had from so many musicians who have had injuries who have found my website Mm. i know that it does do a lot of good in helping people to know that they're not alone and that um, there is a community out there for them that can support them and help them through it Mm. so um um, and i didn't even answer your question i
0: answered the question about me (laughs) you answered the question wonderfully you took us on a little tour yeah along the scenic route um well but there are so many facets to this topic i mean we probably could do a whole year's worth of podcasting on this topic easily Uh and so thank you for bringing in those facets about how a physical injury is never just a physical injury right doesn't exist of course it impacts you emotionally and psychologically and you know how you interface with the world all of those things right we're not just bodies we're humans yeah and and there is sometimes a time to stop Mm -hmm. right and -hmm. not fight through and sometimes you can play through and and making those decisions and calls is can be torturous can we just call it
2: oh yeah yeah Can I say that? Is
0: that all right?
2: Yeah. No, listen, I brought out my notebook because I'm a notebook person. And um, I had a notebook that chronicled every single thing I felt early on in my injury, every single day and what I was doing and and everything. And I looked at that for about mm, 18 seconds. (laughs) And I said, you know what, I'm gonna put this away. It was so torturous the process of the the early days of the injury and, um, and then the early days of after I took the three months off, you know, trying to just find my way. Torture,
0: torture. Yeah, it can be quite traumatic in my experience as helping musicians that are injured. Yeah. Uh, It can be quite a vulnerable time where Mm -hmm. they're afraid to let people know they're injured they're afraid they won't be able to play again. I mean, there's there's all kinds of factors in there. But Ryan, I wanna make sure we make some space for you about your own personal history uh, with injury or not. Um, not all musicians do get injured, but you have a piano studio. So I'm curious what kind of injuries uh, you may have encountered.
1: Yeah, um, I've been very fortunate in that I I have not experienced injury personally. I. I sort of experienced something that was kind of tangential to it, though not the same as this I was finding at a certain point in my playing as I was getting into more and more advanced repertoire. I was finding that I was feeling you know some fatigue and some limitations in my playing so that was something that for me that signaled that I you know needed to get some help with that so thankfully I was able to do that and that I think. I think that you know potentially saved me from becoming injured, you know, at least as it relates to a lot of like the piano technique sort of things. So that that's sort of my experience. Um, I've been studying the Taubman approach for a number of years now, and I've actually worked with some students who have had tendonitis in both arms, various situations, and have been able to help them you know, through some of those things. And I just, just have to comment briefly, I, I really appreciate so much what Angela was saying about looking at injury not merely as a set of symptoms and, you know, experiences, but really considering the whole experience of, you know, the people that are dealing with this. Because I think sometimes as teachers, you know, we're very much, you know, trying to be good teachers. And I think in so doing, we're thinking, okay, what can I do to help the student with this situation to the best of my mm-hmm. ability? And I think sometimes that even in our well-meaningness and that we can sometimes you know, be treating symptoms instead of just thinking, okay, what, what is the experience of this mm. person and how can I help, you know, more broadly?
0: Ooh, nice one, Ryan. Yes, because if we don't look at that whole dynamic exchange of how someone's even responding to the fact that they're injured, right? So I want to talk about tendinitis for a moment. I don't think uh, I would feel uh, in good conscience if I didn't just speak up about something because uh, there's a lot of repetitive strain injury. It's not the only kind of injury one can have from playing. And, you know, again, as an outsider, it's been so interesting to work in a music conservatory and start to understand the different kind of cultures, even amongst musical instrument families and studios, uh, because it's not quite the same to be a low brass player than to be a violinist or a pianist. Uh, they are different cultures. And I just got to name it. Uh, the pianists think they have to rehearse and practice more than anyone else. They are the most intense. In mics, anecdotally from my own experience. Yes, because a horn player knows they can't play more than a few hours a day or they're going to blow their chops out. Singers know they cannot overdo their voice. Or they'll blow it out. But pianists... I actually had a pianist tell me once they wish they didn't have to sleep so much so they could practice more. True story. Is that an extraordinary pianist? Yes, but it gives, it gave me, it kind of like woke me up <laughs> to give me a little clue about the culture of how pianists think, because I don't think that pianist was extreme, but it's kind of baked into, they're taught to practice more, 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 more. And that impacts whether or not you get injured and whether or not you pay attention to when you're injured and make those difficult decisions. Do I need to slow down? Do I need to take a break? Right? If the idea that you cannot practice enough is ruling, then that's going to add in. So, the worst injury I ever saw in my Alexander Technique Studio was a pianist. Could you tell I was leading up to that? They had tendonitis. They played through the pain to the point where when they came to see me, they could no longer button their own clothing or feed themselves. That's pretty extreme. That's pretty extreme. Uh, I haven't heard from that pianist in years and I'm hoping that's good news that they're not in such dire straits that they need my help anymore. They, they came back from injury. I don't know that for sure. I do hope that's true. So tendonitis if it ends in an itis yes it needs rest you cannot play through tendonitis and get better and interestingly horn players it's your left shoulder a lot of times right yeah it's not your chops it's it's so interesting that certain instruments have common injuries again as an outsider i found that very interesting Mm -hmm. yes horn players Mm -hmm. left shoulder lots of tendonitis so there's if you have tendonitis, folks, you need to rest. I just wanna say that loud and proud. You need to rest. So if you have a gig and there's no one else to cover and you have to play it, you're gonna to have to figure out how to play in small enough chunks. Yes, you have to break up your practice time and your playing time, or you're gonna you're gonna make that injury worse. So I just felt the need. But that's not the only kind of injuries, right? Musculoskeletal injuries, embouchure injuries are super, super common, right? But we've seen other kinds of injuries, haven't we, right? Angela was mentioning back, right? Back pain, which I think neck pain because instrumentalists don't even think that's an injury. They just think they're supposed to suffer, But what I like to point out uh, to my students is that if you've got that discomfort going on, which might be, you know, kind of low grade or might be pretty extreme, that's like white noise. It's distracting you. It's taking attention away from musical thought and expressivity. And so uh, you shouldn't suffer for your art. <laughs> it's really the message that I want to make today, right? That somehow we, we kind of learn that we're, we're more righteous if we ignore the pain. And I think that sets people up to make things quite a bit worse. That's what really what I've been trying to say here, but I'm curious what your thoughts are guys. Have you seen people play through pain as well and seen what that does?
1: Yes, I I have witnessed that. And, you know, similarly, I've, known colleagues and things speaking specifically of pianists here who have been in similar situations to what you're describing where you know they couldn't really open doorknobs i mean it was really really extreme and just for many of them and this is part of one of the things that really interested me in the tauban approach initially is a lot of people that i've known who were in situations like that began studying that work and It really helped them a great deal, and they were able to you know find improvement, not just there. But you know but actually being able to open a doorknob comfortably again. You know these these other like life related things you know that you know that in those particular injury situations did relate to you know the coordination and how things were functioning you know as the use sorts of things. Um, Yeah, it, it was it was really interesting to see that and and just the situation where we can find ourselves being so deeply committed to our art and our work that we can Mm -hmm. just we can feel like we have to push through that at any cost. That's something that really struck me in a number of ways. Because I mean, knowing so many people who have experienced that, I've just thought, you know, I wonder sometimes if when we do that, like, what kinds of pressures are we feeling that you know make us you know put us in a situation where sometimes that seems to be the way forward what we feel is the way forward for us when at least for these pianists that I've known many times when they have done that it's really uh, unfortunately exacerbated the problem for them so I would say you know it's it's I think it kind of brings us into our next question in a way which is you know this idea of what are what do we think the factors are that make injuries so common and you know you know what what brings us even to this discussion today because clearly you know from the statistics we've discussed and just you know the other things that angela's mentioned and that you've mentioned arielle it seems very clear that this is a, definitely something that musicians are dealing with
2: yeah i mean i feel like um it sort of depends on where you are and your Musical life, so for students, I think um, overuse is quite common. Um, I remember in my freshman year, um, I had nine ensembles, and during the fall of my freshman year, and of course, this is coming off of high school, and I was, you know, I was working hard. I was practicing a lot, but you can never practice enough to <laughs> make a smooth transition from a high school horn player existence to um, playing in nine ensembles each week. And sometimes, you know, multiple rehearsals for each ensemble, not always. But um, so there was one Saturday that I came in to, it was a Saturday morning, I came into practice, like normal to the music school, the music building. And I couldn't play. I couldn't like I couldn't play the wow. I couldn't make a note to come out. <laughs> and so I talked to my teacher and he talked me through it and you know everything all ended up being okay in a while.
1: <laughs> but
2: um all that to say that overuse is quite common. And that's hard when you're a student because you know you're building the i part of the idea is to become accustomed to what it might be like as a professional musician right you have it's it's a demanding um profession in that way especially like i think of my new york freelancer days when you have you're playing all you know, like three service days and you're doing all different kinds of things like a broadway show new music and uh chamber music or you know whatever it is you know so it's mm. Like really, um, there are strenuous days <laughs> you have to figure out how to navigate that so I, I don't want to like baby the students but it, by the same token, we have to help students understand how to navigate that and also create the conditions that are appropriate for them at that level. Um, I always get a little upset sometimes with youth orchestra conductors who program enormous works that are, um, mm-hmm. you know, fun for them to conduct and fun for the students to play in a certain way, but mm. are are just a little much for the physicality of the kids. Mm. Um, mm. That's a whole other topic, but like mm. that plays into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, student life, and then of course, part of what you kind of have to do if you want to be a professional musician is to i mean you you are taken with it you are committing yourself completely (laughs) to it most of the time most of us have to do that okay so there may be some people who but i think the vast majority of us have to give we have to focus on it completely and um do what give our utmost for it so Um, you know, that, so we have to kind of figure out how to help students understand how to practice efficiently, um, and Uh uh, be balanced people while at the same time, you know, they're pursuing their dream. Um, and that's tough because. I mean, I think of the times in my life when I just breathed and slept music, like I didn't want to think about anything else, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, so that's
0: part of it. Yes. Yeah. And I think we don't necessarily teach our students to fully own their own agency. Mm-hmm. And if they don't fully own their own agency, then self-care is always going to be at the bottom. Yeah. Right. So that if we don't teach that, and musicians don't learn a lot about their own physicality, they learn very local information. Mm -hmm. And so how to teach them about self-care is a much more holistic idea. So it's not physically local, right? It includes their whole physical self and they don't just play music with their body parts, right? So how do we talk about self-care that your self-care might need to look and sound and feel different than what my self-care And that self-care may need to change depending on whether you're a student, right? Or are you gigging and traveling? I mean, one of the things I think a lot about with my students is they're traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. They're traveling to do gigs. They're traveling to do auditions. And then, you know, those factors of where you sleep and where you eat change. Yes. And how do you take care of yourself under the duress of being on the road? That's a real thing that I talk to my students about yes. because right? if you don't get a good night's sleep, that's gonna affect your playing the next day. So yes. all those factors about how do you actually train not to be obedient and to be perfect, right? right? And a slave to the music or your teacher or your conductor, how do you actually own that your well-being is important to music making it's big it's it's really a huge shift for many people a new idea yeah. but i'm curious too angela if i can loop us back if that's oh. not too yeah. um, disruptive you've you've interviewed so many musicians and overuse is not the only kind of injury right right so i'm just curious if we can name some of the other kind of kinds of injuries that we've seen and experienced?
2: Yeah. So um, nerve injuries, um, like a a friend of mine had an issue with nerves in her hand and she's a string player, Um, concussions. um, uh, And then there are the um, conditions that people have, like Ehlers-Danlos, if I'm remembering that right, where. hypermobility. Yes, Mm -hmm. hypermobility is another kind of interesting one, dystonia. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is not so much an injury as it is a a condition that develops. So it's a little different, Mm -hmm. um, or a lot (laughs) different, and probably warrants its own, um, you know, time with a full (laughs) podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, jaw is another one EMJ. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, that happens. Um, hearing problems. So no. tinnitus, um, hearing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to recall at the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, in addition to the, the muscle tears and, um, and the, the bodily sort of repetitive injury strains that we see there are all those other ones that are, that, that people are dealing with in quite extraordinary ways. So, yeah, um, yeah actually in thinking, in thinking about how people deal with them, there's one woman that I interviewed a flute player, Juliana Nichols, and um, she had brain surgery, um to, to, as um, part of a research project and it's it's really helped. And it's sort of a similar surgery that um, they have for people with Parkinson's region of the brain, I, I guess. Mm. And um, so she entered the study. And so um, that's kind of an interesting thing. So, so people, people do all kinds of things um, to move through whatever they're dealing with. And there's such a range of of things that people have to deal with.
0: Yeah, let's talk more about that. Yeah, so what do people do? What has helped uh, your students? What has helped you move through uh, injury? We've already talked about one of the most important things can be rest, actually stepping away from the instrument. And I just, again, want to, to clearly identify that it doesn't always have to be a total break from your instrument,
2: right? Right.
0: Like Angela, you did some some experimenting with with resting and playing in smaller bits and then ultimately reach a decision to take a complete break, right? So I, I, in my experience with musicians, when you say you need to rest, a lot of times I get a lot of kickback. I get a lot of like, oh no, I can't do that. And so that I just want to say, it's not an on off switch, right? You can find, a way to practice in smaller chunks, right? And so that you're not extending the time that you're playing that if you want to practice an hour, instead of sitting down and practicing for an hour, if you sat down for 10 minutes, six times d- during your day, that's a lot more work to organize your time, but going to be a lot healthier for your injury, probably. So I just want to make that clear that rest can have quite a gradient of how you do that. It doesn't have to be on or off.
2: Yes. And one of the tricky things about talking about injury is that even if you're comparing one muscle tear to another muscle tear, they're still different. Oh yeah. Every single injury is different. Mm-hmm. and it can have a lot of similarities, but still there's that room for, um, you know, we're, we're different people. we are built differently. We have different it brains. <laughs> you know, so, um, we're all, yes, that, that's one of the tricky things talking about it is there's always, is that, that range of ways that you can deal with that you, that you can rest, as you said, and, um, building back is different for everybody. And yeah. It's a tricky thing to talk about.
0: Yes. And there's also like seeking out a professional. Yes. You know, really make sure that you go see an expert in the field, not only of what kind of injury you have, but that has worked with musicians. Yes. Super. Like whenever possible, to reach out to your network and to find an expert that really understands not just the use of your voice. Yes. Mm -hmm. But understands if you're a singer, that's a pretty uh, particular use, uh, uh, specialized use of your voice. Same thing with hand doctors and other kinds of doctors. Uh, But medical professionals, MDs, are not Mm -hmm. the only professionals we mean. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Angela, I know you've done a ton of research. Yes. So what kind of practitioners have um, the people you've interviewed gotten help from?
2: um people go i mean to to so many different kinds of people yes medical professionals physical therapists um craniosacral therapists Mm um um people who are not trained medically but who have worked with a lot of musicians and um you know that that can go either way, (laughs) depending, Um, they've been very helpful for some people. And it's one of those things that you just I mean, with any professional, I think you have to realize that um, it's nobody is going to have the complete answer for you necessarily. And so, um, like, even in my own injury, I saw so many people and um consulted with non-medical um professionals and um just people who like help with injuries and i think it's really important to remember that you have to take the information yes and take take what's what's helpful for you and Mm -hmm. know that it's okay to let go of the rest Mm -hmm. and um so, and, and then you can, you know, it can stew and you know, it can, it can marinate in your mind a little bit. And then maybe a little bit later, you might say, oh, actually that thing that I thought wasn't helpful could be helpful, you know? So it's, it's a process um, and there's no complete right answer. Mm. Um, but yeah, so physical therapists, um, doctors, um, and then various specialties of doctors, Um, I, I went to see Linda grace, the Rolfer when I was having a lot of my shoulder and neck and back stuff. And she was very helpful. And, um, you know, so that's, uh, that's another thing that can be very helpful. And so you just go, you put yourself out there, try to find people who are used to working with musicians and, um, and, and take what's helpful and let the rest go. If you need to let the rest
0: go. Mm-hmm. Super important to say yes, because if you put all your trust into one practitioner, right. And you just take their point of view, you, you have the possibility that, that they're not going to quite see the whole puzzle piece. And if you go consult with a lot of people, you run the risk of kind of overwhelming yourself and not, right. Not, well, who should I listen to? And so you ha- each musician has to find the balance that works for them, right? Yes. Of, of consulting, but also filtering, like, is this actually helpful to me? So yes. again, I'm gonna, I'm going to advocate for agency here, yes. which is hard to do when you're injured and frightened and, you know, kind of living in your startle pattern, right? But yes. how do you, how do you slow yourself down enough and, you know, get the support you need? Yeah. Right. So we've got, um, medical professionals in lots of different specialties. We have what I would call more movement specialists. I would put Alexander teachers more in that realm. Mm-hmm. We have kind of structural people, massage therapists, and rolfers, and and PTs uh, that are going to kind of work with your structure. Yeah, but yeah. There's also coaches, right? Mm-hmm. That deal more right because let's let's dive into that part of the conversation, guys. Right. Physical injuries don't just impact physically, the mechanism of making music. Right. Right. Impacts.
2: Yeah. It impacts the mind and the emotions. And I mean, it's confidence, confidence. Yes. So one of the things that I think is really important in, in coming through the other side of an injury and working through rehab and reintegration is to have someone who knows you're playing really well, Mm -hmm. who knew you pre-injury, who knows you're playing well and can help save you from yourself. (laughs) Um, So, because when we're consulting, let me just talk about me (laughs) when I was consulting with all of these different people, there was one point where, um, I got on the phone with Julie landsman and I was telling her like all this stuff. Mm. that was, you know broiling within me. And she was like, wow, you really got yourself tied up in a knot, didn't
0: you? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes. <laughs> and, and for our listeners that may not know, Julie Lansman is a very well known French horn player who was formerly the principal in the Met opera, uh, but also very well-known pedagogue in the field. Yes. Just-
2: yeah. So for me, she was one of those people who, um, you know, I went and played with her, or played for her um, at least once, um, and talked with her a few times through um, the rehab. and And she was one of those people who was able to just knock it back down to the basics, like mm. keep it really simple. Mm. And I think it's important to find those people who can help <laughs> untie your knots a little bit, keep it real. <laughs> And Arielle, you have been one of those people for me, even though you didn't know me pre-injury, you got to know me um, after I came to you, um, after my injury, at at the suggestion of Julie Landsman. And, um, and, you know, it just, you know, you help keep me, you you keep it simple and you keep me sane. (laughs) Like find the thing that makes it simple, It keeps it Mm. simple for you and keeps you sane. And Mm. I think that's really important um, for everybody. At least one person like that
0: Mm. um, who just keeps it simple for you. Well, thank you for that shout out. Uh, Probably, we probably should have disclosed that at the start. uh, (laughs) Angela first started to come see me for Alexander Lessons when she was going through that injured time period. Uh, But that keeping it simple, yes, Mm -hmm. that, well, that's lovely to say, but what do we mean by it? And I feel like one of the most important things that I can help musicians with is to actually assess the situation in the present moment. That, that may sound simple, but it is not, because if you're injured, much of the time there's so much of your attention that is in the past, like, ooh, that really hurt badly, or right, that didn't sound didn't come out the way I want it to. Or in the future, like, am I going to be able to do that gig? Am I going to be able to hit that note that's coming up? And so. It's like a push-me-pull-you. Uh, I, I It literally feels like the musician has got themselves t- you know pulled in two directions. And it's like, well, here's this moment and this is what I'm going to do right now. That's, for me, part of keeping it simple
2: mm-hmm.
0: is keeping it like, what in this moment do I need to do, right? And not get yanked backwards or pining forwards. So that to me is part of the, really the trick of keeping it simple and how to navigate through. Because as you know, that injury isn't the same every day. Right. And that injury isn't the same every moment. And it certainly isn't the same as your teachers, right? right. No one can tell you exactly how long your injury is going to take. Yes. that we don't that- know how long it's going to take to come back. The
2: uncertainty living in the precarity of this moment. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm.
2: Yeah. And so so that goes back to your question about coaches, I think it's, it's really important to find um, someone who if if they're not acting, you know, contractually, like your coach, who serve that role in your life, um, who can can, um, help to guide where you're placing your attention because, you know, as you're trying to work your way through the injury, it's very easy to think, okay, I've got to do this kind of work. I've got like, I've got to do this meditation, and then I've got to do these exercises, and then I've got to do um, such and such. And, um you know, it gets pretty intense and you can really make yourself crazy. And so it's great to have people in your life that, um that help to center, like just guide guides the focus a little bit, and to pull you back from that.
0: Mm. Yeah, and i I've seen a trend in my twenty five years at Curtis, certainly, that I feel like self care is getting more on people's radar. Yeah, that that um, I'm seeing many more musicians that have uh, an embodied practice whether that's going to the gym or going to a yoga class or they know going for a walk helps clear their mind uh, so that it's not just an embodied practice, but it's a self-care practice more holistically, right? That they need um, uh, a night out playing ping pong. To me, that's self-care. Yes, Uh (laughs) that work-life balance, right? So that uh, somehow they have an idea uh, that that musicians are athletes, right? That there's some physical training, not just local, right? That the musculature of your back is going to help support what goes on in your hands and arms, right? Mm-hmm. Or that um, uh, aerobic exercise is going to help with uh, breath support for a wind player. Yes, very basic ideas, uh, but I think they're getting more prevalent in a good way, right? Yes. That we're starting to understand uh, that that kind of preparation, mentally and physically is going to help prevent injuries, but more importantly, just keep you sane. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yes. help keep you more <laughs> sane in your music making. Sanity is good. <laughs> we, we believe can't be politics.
1: overrated, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit more, guys, about how that injury uh, impacts the musician and the music so you know sometimes that injury just flat out makes your playing come to a dead stop like it did for you angela right sometimes it just prevents you from playing but man there's a lot in between right from from that extreme what else have you either experienced yourself or seen in your colleagues or your students how do, how do those injuries impact both the music
1: and the musician?
0: Ryan, do you want to get in there first? Is there something Sure.
1: I would say I've seen it manifest in different ways. One thing is a lot of times it seems to be very, very frustrating and just, you know, depressing. I mean, it can there can be a whole range of emotions I think around it. When you have the sound that you know that you want and you can't achieve it. You know, I think that can be a very hard thing to deal with, especially if you're also experiencing discomfort, and you know a number of other things that like we've discussed. So, and you know, interestingly enough, I know this isn't particularly within the scope of injury, but I think it's it's related. And I know for me with, you know, prior to doing a lot of the study and work that I had done I was feeling very limited and you know had some fatigue which thankfully, you know, it could have easily become an injury. But for me, I was very frustrated that I wasn't able to get what I could hear and get what I wanted to come out. And so one thing that I noticed a tendency in myself that was to like try to want to push through it, you know, and to try to get that sound at all costs. And I think for me, recognizing that what I was doing wasn't working and then getting some help and you know figuring out how to achieve that sound and how to you know try to being able to realize what I wanted at the instrument made a big difference for me and I certainly this wouldn't be everyone's experience but for me and particularly for pianists the work of Dorothy Taubman has been you know very just amazing and I would say what was really incredible about it is one of the things that she discovered. And first of all, I just have to give a quick blurb about her. She was a piano teacher in Brooklyn, and she was going to be a concert pianist. But at that time, she decided she needed to teach. So she started teaching children. And all of a sudden, she could not figure out Why it was that some kids could come and play so well without, Mm. with like very little muscular development, which at that time, you know, people for piano were saying, oh, you have to have strong fingers, you have to, you know, do all of these exercises. Mm. And I think when she noticed that there were these, you know, prodigies and these children that could play better than adults who had, you know, been working hard for years, she couldn't understand why this was, and so for her she wanted to figure it out, and so what was interesting is she started observing the technique of Prodigies and experimenting. She was doing things, and this sounds very funny. She had put lipstick on her fingers and was trying to see where on the keys and how would they, where she was moving, how far in and out was her arm coming, various Mm. things like that, and really looking at what was going on at the instrument so people could play better. What was interesting Mm. then about her work is she ended up figuring out kind of. (laughs) I think it was probably a surprise in a way, that the movements and things that she found underlying it actually started to be very helpful to people who were having pain and injury at the instrument, and they started to make a huge difference for people with a wide range of conditions from things like tendinitis, you know, even people with dystonia have had, you know, found great help with that. So it's just kind of an interesting thing, and I think, you know, my point in sharing that is that you know, in some situations, when we're thinking about this, it's, you know, the music is always what we're after. So it's like, how do we do that? And I think, and do it in a healthy way, you know, whether we're recovering from injury or trying to prevent injury. And I think one factor in that is can, can be, how are we approaching the technique that we bring to our instruments? How, what movements are we doing on a repetitive basis? So I'd say for me, that's one of the things that I really think is critical to the awareness, but you know, as we've said in our conversation so far, I also think it's really important to recognize that that is not the only thing that can be going on. You know, there are many other facets, as we've also discussed, but I would say, at least in my experience as a pianist and with other pianists, I really think that what we do at the instrument, you know, and the way that we're putting a key down really can be impactful, you know, in the process of, you know, how we're de- thinking about overcoming these things.
0: Right. And so part of our interest in this podcast is is to kind of help promote that paying attention to your whole self and, and how you move and also your mindset, all those factors are going to help you be a healthier player. It doesn't mean you'll never get injured, right? It does not mean that. And there's no shame and there's, I'm not blaming anyone, but right. We're trying to create a field that, that doesn't set up the situation of that, you know, play at any cost, right. Cause that's going to help and aid and abet injuries. Right. So for me um, that cycle of fear with people and injuries, right. That, that it just helps perpetuate and keeps us stuck in the injury pattern. And so how do you hold on to your wish, right? To your purpose, your love of music making, remind someone which can seem kind of painful if they're injured and can't play. And it's like, no, 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 hold on to that and, and concentrate on mental practice. So when you have to put the instrument down or when you choose to put the instrument down, it's because you wanna get back to your instrument in a healthier way, right? That it's not putting yourself in prison Right. It's not punishment. It's I choose to put the instrument down. I choose to rest so that I can come back to that music with more of me, right? With a healthier me, with a more expressive me. Right. And so that's a dance that I think people don't talk enough about. Right. How do I not ignore the pain? La 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 la. I don't hear you. Right. I'm just gonna muscle my way through. Right. Or get so enveloped by the pain that I'm afraid to walk down a street or pick anything up and is how do I find something in between so you can do really productive practice that's mental practice Mm -hmm. where you don't sing or play a note there is so much to be gained Uh, and sometimes an injury will force you to discover that (laughs) right (laughs) may not be your first choice (laughs) and so sometimes i'm not saying you should be glad you were injured um but i i'm always going to advocate for finding the lemonade with lemons um right and so i've seen it happen many many times that that we get smarter when we get injured if we choose to we can get a lot smarter about ourselves about the music and and that can, we can, it's possible to come out the other side, yeah, stronger and better. And to remind people of that potential, we can't as educators promise that it's irresponsible, right? But we can hold that possibility, right? Because then you're helping aim your student, right? To their purpose, right? And then they're aiming towards something instead of this sucks and getting mad about, you know, and you may need a moment to do that, right? Go ahead and have your moment to feel your feelings, right? Because it does suck to be injured. <laughs> and and how do you not get stuck there? Well, that's, that's the question that I think is more helpful.
1: What are the most important messages to share with musicians and music students about injuries? You know, we've been discussing a lot of the different things that we've seen happen and, you know, in talking with colleagues and our own experiences what are the takeaways, you know, for, for others?
2: Well, I think this is something that I have struggled with a little bit as a teacher, um, because I don't want the fear of an injury to ever get stuck in a student's head. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the way my mom taught me to pass a semi-truck on the highway. Like you don't look at the truck, right? (laughs) you don't look at the wheels that you're passing. You look at the line on whichever side of the car, hopefully the left (laughs) that is opposite on the opposite side of the car of the truck. And so um, I think, you know, Mm. clarifying that aim of being um, a healthy, balanced Mm. Is um, something that I strive to um, to communicate to any of my students, um, and yeah, just to develop good habits, um, and also to let students know that discomfort is okay. You know, um, it's part of growing. Um, but pain, not so much. Um, so, you know, trying to find that line where you're pushing up against the limits of what you can do and stretching a little bit, which can mm. be an uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. and knowing where that line is. Um, so Ariel, I'm sure you have more to say about, about that. Um, Uh, And I also like to promote for my students, just to encourage them to diversify their attention, you know, be, um, you know, have, if if there's something else in their lives that they love. um, And if they're a person who is very um, uh, good at striving, (laughs) um, that, that they that they go ahead and let themselves be a diverse person that they follow their, the loves um, that they have and keep room for that and hang out with non-musicians occasionally and, you know.
0: <laughs> I love that.
2: So uh, I, I love musicians clearly, but there there is something to be said of just, you know, having having a wide variety of, friends and contacts and circles that you move among. Um, So yeah, those are my first thoughts about that.
0: Angela, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing the lesson from your mom. I'm stealing that one. I'm gonna give credit. It's (laughs) Terrific, because it's pointing out a very simple truth, which is uh, where you think is where you go. Yeah. So if you're constantly fixating on your injury, that's where you're gonna go, right? And on the other hand, right, I keep talking about this range, right? Because I feel like when we talk about injuries, it's super easy to get stuck in absolutes, right? Never play, always play, right? Like, ooh, there's a lot of choices in between. And so always think about your injury is definitely not gonna help you, but ignoring your injury is also not gonna help you. And so how do we write part of this brilliant solution you're suggesting, like diversify, go hang out with non-musicians, what a a great idea. Well, that to me is putting your music-making life in the context. It's putting your injury in the context of a larger reality of your life. And so that zooming out, right? So you don't ignore the canary in the coal mine is my silly way of saying it. Canary's trying to tell you something, right? Canary's trying to tell you something and you shouldn't have pain. And thank you for that beautiful articulation, Angela, between stretching and discomfort, pain, not so much, right? How do we teach our students to not be afraid of pain? right but not ignore it how do we use it to kind of understand that we can and for me that's about not just teaching them me- mechanism of making music but to always integrate that into artistry and that you want to express something right so that we don't forget about ourselves and just give it all away to express something right but we don't get so mired in oh i have to do this and forget we want to say something
1: i think that's such a wonderful wonderful point i love what both of you have said and it it strikes me you know with teaching many students i think you know to your point arielle about you know listening for the canary you know and the, that the canary is trying to help you <laughs> you know what i mean i think i think that's such a good point and i think you know on a very practical level um one thing that we can do for our students that can help them you know totally not to be paranoid about like you know Oh, you know something going to go wrong and i'm afraid of something going wrong, but really like it, you know as we're working on things at the instrument or away from the instrument. You know, like as they're playing and as we're teaching them something in a lesson constantly checking in with the student be like oh. How does that feel? Is that comfortable to do? You know, just checking in with those things and observing and also using what we see and hear as feedback, but really just checking into those things in the process so that in a sense we're kind of saying there's a canary there. <laughs> you know, we're we're not it's it's not going off right now. Everything seems good, but by tuning into yourself in the process you're going to be more apt to notice if something is starting to, you know feel uncomfortable. and that way it could maybe even be a preventative thing for some kinds of injuries..
0: And if you're feeling uncomfortable, <clears throat> physically uncomfortable uh, to the point of strain, right? to Angela's point, like we may feel uncomfortable because you're figuring out that coordination. But if it's morphing into strain, you're not making the best music possible. So it's not just, ooh, don't injure yourself. It's like, oh, if you're using strain to get something accomplished, then then that sound you want to hear, that expressivity is being thwarted. And so for me, that's key. And really, again, encouraging my students to kind of own the agency that no one knows when you've had enough. And you'd probably don't know either. But how do you keep that conversation open with yourself how are you kind enough and respectful enough of yourself to check in with yourself and say is this okay or have i had enough and then you have to you have to stand up to your teacher or to uh the orchestra manager and say uh i know you need me but i can't play tonight <laughs> like you know there's a time and a place when you do it anyway and there's a time and a place when you don't and again I wish I could just have a magic equation or a little cheat sheet to show people where those places are. It doesn't exist, right? But how do you stay open to the possibility of playing the music you want and respecting the reality of where you are today, right? So that you bring the best of yourself to that. Yeah. Yeah. We just scratched the surface, right? <laughs> There's so much more we could say about this. Um But Angela, I want to make a special thank you again. And not just for being here with us today, but want to encourage our listeners to find your Musicians Well website because it's such a gift to the community. Thank you for standing up and connecting musicians to the possibility of getting support. Yes, it's a gem that you're providing,
1: so thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. This has been a really wonderful conversation
1: thank you for joining us today and thank you so much angela again for joining us exploring how we think about teaching and learning we'd love to hear your experiences and questions about how embodiment and mindset impacts your music making send your ideas for future episodes to pedagogy geeks at (laughs) gmail.com